welcome back to the Programmatic Digest podcast, a discussion on top programmatic and digital news with other digital ninjas. I'm your host, Ellen Parker, your very own Programmatic Sensei. You can now sign up on our website to receive a weekly alert every time a new episode drops or sign up for a monthly recap if you like to binge. Head over to programmaticdigest.com for more information. As we continue to brace during these trying times of the coronavirus outbreak, I want to send you and your family some love and encouragement and hope that you're healthy, safe, and at home. With that said, in the Sunset's Corner this week, we welcome Mike Hupman, founder of AdLib. Welcome to the Sunset's Corner, Mike. We're so excited to have you. Thanks, Ellen. Uh, it's great to be here. Really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation with you. But before we dig into our articles today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and AdLib? Sure. So I've spent about the past 10 years in programmatic advertising, uh, joined MediaMath in 2010 uh, when they uh, first launched their, their DSP. Uh, prior to that, uh, spent a, a few years in ad tech. Uh, you know, at a company called ValueClick, uh, working in their ad server uh, business. So, uh, you know, really have been involved in you know all of the the, the fun, uh, like the weeds of ad tech you know, through you know, uh, direct you know, buys that started off with ad server based buys and and kind of have been working in programmatic through its nascent phases, you know, through scaled phases, and uh, you know a few years ago set off on this journey to found AdLib uh, to bring programmatic marketing to uh, marketers who were kind of blocked out or uh, unable to access some of the tools and some of the amazing technology that has been built, you know, that had been built to allow them to maximize, you know, the results of their, uh, of their campaign. So, you know, what we've done is, uh, with AdLib is package up you know, uh, media math and what they've built in an enterprise DSP in a way that all marketers can access it. So kind of a programmatic uh, simplification, if you will, to allow anyone to come in to a, a platform you know, with a really low barrier to entry um, and minimal resources required to, to make the, the thing do what they want it to do. Uh, you know, we found that combination really uh, eliminates all the barriers that, that these marketers have been having to successfully implement programmatic advertising, whether that be uh, a, a mid-sized agency, whether that be uh, a publisher or you know, other, uh, others in the MarTech or ad tech space that have some asset or, or some content that they want to activate, you know, have some uh, campaigns or budgets that they haven't been able to fill. And you know, we've been kind of filling that niche or, or that role and uh, providing an, an alternative outside of you know, the walled gardens of Facebook and Google, which historically they've been able to you know, limit it. You know, those are the tools historically these art marketers have been able to access. Uh, but as they're looking to scale, grow and diversify and look outwards, the, the options uh, you know, have, have typically been yeah, pretty limited. So well, that's the that's the that's the thirty second pitch. <laughs> it's a great one. I had the pleasure of demoing the the platform, and I think it's so cool. And I've told you this before, and I cannot wait to test it. Um, 
pretty much looking forward to your your success. I think it's going to definitely be a game changer for the smaller guys like myself that, like you said, just need just need support but cannot afford or cannot just don't want to don't see the point of having like an enterprise level um, DSP or partnership yet. So I, I really am looking forward to to working a little bit more with you. In the... So let's get into our first article. Um, this is an article from Ad Exchanger. It's called. First-party consent can replace third-party cookies. The article is written by Manny Puentes. He's the founder and CEO at Rebel AI. This article was pretty interesting, and I'm super excited to talk to you about it because he basically broke it down for us in terms of, yes, third-party cookies are eventually going to disappear with uh, Google's most recent announcement. However, he is really explaining how essentially it wasn't, it never started being, third-party cookies was never a privacy concern per se. It was more like a technical, it was more like a technical issue. So within the article, and I'm quoting here, before I get into my question, he said, third-party cookies have been an anonymous, necessary evil to deliver highly targeted ads. Though third-party cookies are discussed in terms of consumer privacy, the third-party cookie itself is actually completely anonymous. Platforms can't determine who you are based on the generated ID, the cookie, representing your device. Real privacy concerns start to proliferate when you mix third-party cookies with form data, such as like an email, first name, last name, you know, and send that data along with the cookie. He goes on to explaining how email is is really not going to save us because we will still not be able to, now we won't be able to do things like cross-site tracking. And um, it's actually a little bit scarier because now we we are able to see that actual email, email, right? It's not protecting the, the consumer privacy anymore. So... For those platforms that propose that are currently proposing email as a solution, what is your take on on that solution first? But also, like, what do you think about this whole privacy yeah. concern mixed with third party cookies? Yeah, um, there are some really interesting uh, kind of forces at play right now. Yeah, <laughs> with Chrome, you know, their their stance on third party cookies. You know, some things that have already happened. Um, you know, in other browsers, along with you know, what's now now you know beyond well beyond GDPR in California regulations that are likely yeah. to roll out you know, more broadly across the United States. A, a lot of lot lots to think about, um, and I think it's an opportunity, uh, as as Mandy's pointed out here, as others have pointed out, to rethink uh, the plumbing that is powering yeah. uh, that is powering targeted advertising, which historically has relied heavily on you know, somewhat fickle technology in the third-party cookie. And there's reasons why it's been great, and there's reasons why it's you know, created a lot of, kind of unnecessary patchwork plumbing you know, as, as well. So you know, this is a great time. You know, I, I think that's what's been happening here. It's, it's definitely going to accelerate the timeline, but what, what will you know, be happening here is addition, you know, ideas that have been kind of percolating ideas that have already been set to motion, additional signals that are already being used to inform targeting, you know, that have mm-hmm. kind of already been built out or, or to 
complement what right. you know, we know is a pretty short cookie lifespan anyway, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and things that are able to stitch, uh, you know, stitch together uh, devices you know, across browsers, across across a user's own personal devices, you know, all, all of those things are, are informing a signal already in, in a way that already the cookie is, is not the, the only signal that is, is, re, is relied on for targeting. So you know, that will be complemented, I, I think. And what's going to happen is it's going to strengthen the overall signal um, mm-hmm. with some of these new mechanisms, you know, similar to what Manny is proposing. And you know, what's going to happen is the pendulum is now swinging back towards uh, the yeah. publishers in terms of the value that they're able to capture um, and the role that they're going to be able to play in uh, kind of creating their own destiny um, mm-hmm. and, and, and owning uh, their data and, and owning their, their, their audiences. So you know, Manny is proposing something here that relies upon uh, an audience who is visiting a publisher to opt in at the publisher level, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, that signal can be federated across a, you know, a network of publishers who share a first party cookie. Um, you know, that's one kind of piece to this. And he's saying, you know, email isn't the solution, which could, you know, if you think about how Facebook and Google are doing this today and, and other yeah. you know, larger gardens, you know, they've got your, obviously that email, they've got that unique, identifier across all devices, uh, you know, when you're in the Facebook environment or, you know, on Facebook web browser logged in or in your Google browser logged in, they're, they're able to just use that as the tracking mechanism, but that, you know, that definitely raises privacy concerns. So, you know, Manny's point here is now, you know, email, while a great solution for mm-hmm. a persistent ID, um, it, it, to the consumer and the consumer's lens, there's or in the, through the, the lens of the consumer, you know, is, is that is that the right solution? Is that what we want to be proposing as the solution for, for consumer first, you know, internet? Um, or do we need to further anonymize, uh, you know, how we're tracking? So right, and that's why he mentioned how wait now we're using the the consumers email address and uh before that we were just using third-party cookies and we had no way of tracking no way of knowing any personal information uh, from that cookie right we would only really target based on behaviors and based on um, online trends and um, how they consume content online although i i appreciate the different perspective that he actually opened my eye on um I still don't know how, and I don't expect this industry to replace third-party cooking's targeting as a tactic. However, I still don't know how, how, I don't think it's going to be bad. I think it's just going to refine the way we target because like you said, um, we're, we're becoming a little bit more strict in the way we target or we're, we're not straight, but we we're going down to a one-on-one targeting effort almost, right? So you work with data providers, you work with third-party data providers via AdLib, via your your clientele. Like, how has your conversation with them or them with you been affected by this recent news 
Are you are you are you yeah. hearing like a lot of people freak out, or is it like pretty <laughs> optimistic and hopeful out there? Like <laughs> a little bit, a little bit of a mix. Um, okay, you know, <laughs> like me, you know, I'm just I think the, in the middle. <laughs> yeah, the, the reality is there's there's going to be some changes. For sure. How this will manifest itself. You know, one of the way, some of the ways in which this will manifest itself. First party data and third party data is not going to be totally going away. You know, there will be additional signals and ways in which to target users at you know a degree of granularity in which your know, marketers need to be able to to do to do so in order to to power their marketing and try to, to drive performance. You know, the publishers are you know, supply side is also going to need to make sure that advertisers are able to spend marketing budgets to make sure the content in the internet the the the, the, the marketing dollars that power the you know the fuel of the internet uh, yeah. does doesn't doesn't run out so you know how what are some things that are going to happen um, you know those signals are going to be strengthened by publishers uh, publishers okay. are going to capture more of the dollar um, that it goes into the marketing budget that you know by now there's a lot of middlemen and the, the pennies on the dollar that they're seeing They'll start yeah. to capture much much bigger uh, uh, piece of that pie by playing a bigger role in you know owning their data and and you know, we're going to see kind of more mini walled gardens or publishers creating their own walled gardens or data marketplaces uh, which will, which would be great for for everyone. We'll see a shift towards context you know a greater shift towards contextual targeting, which uh, you know, doesn't rely on that signal and, and looks at keywords and semantic signals on the page itself to understand in real time what the user is looking at um, versus historic behavior. Um, you know, and these are conversations that we're having with our clients and we're in a bit, I don't want to say a unique position, but we're in a, a great position in that being that AdLib is powered by, by media math, uh, you know, we're mm -hmm. able to leverage their infrastructure and all the incredible work that they're doing to tackle this challenge head on, you know, working directly with Google, working directly with industry consortiums, the live ramps of the world and others who are thinking about this. And you know, we're bringing that enterprise grade solution that is being built out to you know, the rest of the market. And we're kind of excited because we, we think there's going to be some fallout and we think there's going to be some of the players who are servicing the, this kind of mid market that, are not maybe necessarily going to be in a great position when yeah. things change, uh, and you know their technology may not be able to keep up, and we're going to be standing on the shoulders of giants in media math, and you know, we, we think you know we've already started to see some, some people coming over who had that question and are are being a a bit proactive in, in diversifying. Right, because if we really if we really hone in on what you just mentioned about some of those 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 partners that are coming and um you know you do have that safety net with media math which is great and i know and trust that media math is investing the time and effort and finances into the technology to make sure that there is a solution out there or somewhat they there's a other option to look at um but i, I wonder how somebody working for i don't know axiom or for uh, a blue guy how they're handling that i mean most of the the and you can correct me if i'm wrong but most of their data are third-party data is like do you think that will be the end of some of those data providers or do you think it will develop like um 
something like what happened with True Signal. I think it was who was it? Experience. Uh-huh. Oh, sorry, TransUnion. TransUnion acquired somebody like True Signals, and they're working with migrating their data and using TransSignals um, technology to offer you know, to expand their lookalike audiences and predictive audiences modeling, which I think will be a good way to uh, to look at this, right? But again, I feel like I'm going back into <laughs> very third-party <laughs> cookie yeah. tactics. I mean, lookalikes are based on third-party. It could be based on first-party, of course, but for somebody like the truth, for something like TransUnion is trying to do, and um, I don't know, it's... It's going to be interesting to see how some of those big players are going to adapt. Yeah, which no doubt that they will. Definitely, definitely, and you know we've already seen some M and A. We've already mm-hmm. seen some consolidation. Uh, Merkel is another, uh, you know, player in the space who recently announced uh, their identifier called Mercury. It's, it's mm-hmm. based off of a product from an acquisition uh, you know, that's allowing them to kind of stitch together signals also. So, you know, some of the bigger players, a TransUnion uh, yeah. that have that uh, kind of war chest or you know, are now you know, in a position to really, similar to publishers, uh, create a totally new value proposition that's anonymous, that's compliant with the future of the internet. That's a stronger fidelity signal, a more stable signal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the end result will be you know, the new wave of plumbing, if, or the, the the new version yeah. of the, the plumbing of advertising that will be set us up for the next you know, decade of of, of growth. So, uh, the, the writing's been on the wall for a while. Um, you know, cookies have already been very uh, you know un- unreliable, and there's already been a lot of challenges, right? Like mobile devices and a lot of things that are done in oh, yeah. app. At, oh, in the yeah. app world, none of yeah. that relies on a cookie at, at all. Uh, it's all persistent, you know, uh, mobile app identifier. A lot of stuff has happened like that on streaming TV devices, right? Like those things don't rely on cookies and you're still able That's to true. get granular uh, user level targeting. So. Um, yeah, and that's why you mentioned earlier, and I think Manny mentioned that in his article as well, how, I mean, some of those those wall gardens are going to have to share some of that data, um, you know, Facebooks, uh, the Googles, and any of the streaming. I, I, I love the fact that you brought up the streaming uh, giants, <laughs> because they're like, they, they literally just came up and now they're giants. Uh, I definitely think that once some of that data is being released, it will put some other programmatic ninjas like myself at ease in terms of like how applicable is that going to be when it comes down down to a campaign setup or even to like planning and strategizing for yearly um for yearly strategy for clients um but I, th- I think that'll be very interesting we're definitely going to continue this conversation i don't know I- i'm looking forward to, to you know the next conversation on this because DigiTrust and the Trade Desk and uh, who was a consortium ID uh, came up with like a Univi ID a couple years ago in order to help some of those cookies matching or syncing some of those cookies to become a little bit more relevant in the targeting. Now that the third-party cookies are gone, like I'm looking forward to what else are they going to come up with to kind of migrate their their effort into adapting to this new thing. And 
and you're right like cool third-party cookies are, are going um we have contextual i mean um washington post started something called zeus which was their contextual targeting on steroids basically and they started that like a few years back so i don't know if they predicted it as well um but they're already pre- maybe they did predict that this was happening and they are trying to leverage their content within their website and, and provide that to targeters and marketers like ourselves so this is going to be really cool well really agreed cool. it's going to be really interesting to see how it how it plays out over the next it's like 23 months or 22 months now yeah and and i'm, I'm i definitely think that it will continue. Like I definitely think that we'll continue talking about third-party cookies, but also it is not. It's now like taking us to another level in terms of how are we going to one ask consent to use certain private information from a consumer. Secondly, if we do get consent, how is that being used, and how the consumer is able to track back? And in addition to that, do they really understand that we're using their information in this way? Um, we had on the podcast um, where we just highlighted Project ReArc from IAB, and it was um, it was basically IAB during the, one of their conferences. They decided to introduce some type of campaign where they'll go out and educate the consumer about what's really happening. But the reality is that. <laughs> We're just freaking out. People are more freaking out about a big data breach versus like, how is the advertising world really using my my information? And um, I know one of the guests were talking about how the consumer cares about their privacy, but they're more concerned about an annoying ad following them around or a data breach from a big company. Yeah. So. They are. <laughs> um and and I think a lot of that has to do with a, a lack of transparency. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, perce- you know, this perception and this lack of trust that exists that has festered um, be- be- because of um, that lack of transparency. So, you know, I think the reality is we're in a better place now than we were when everybody was seeing Viagra ads everywhere. Um, and, you know, there, there, there is, you know, there, there is a, a, a more balanced exchange of value um, that the consumer is getting today. I think it's, it's yeah. still, it's still fairly unbalanced. Um, and you know, there's a lot of work to do to ensure that the consumer um, is, you know, appropriately, uh, I don't want to say compensated, but you know, there's yeah. there's a trust exchange. Um, they are aware that they are you know, first in, in mind, and, and they're aware of what's being done and how it's being done. And I think if 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 that's all clear, uh, yeah, they'd rather see a coupon for something that they decided maybe they weren't going to buy earlier, but now with free shipping, you know, uh, yeah. they're happy to mm-hmm. have that uh, have that experience instead of something totally irrelevant. Uh, right. You know, mm-hmm. when the reality is, uh, it's funding the internet. You know, and there are a lot of interesting alternatives to ad ad free internet's coming around. You know, micro payments. You know, there's a, some shifts to other browsers that support that. 
which yeah. are seeing a, a bit of scale, but I th think for, for as long as we're seeing free browsers and you know the long tail of users that are just using kind of what came in their computer, they're, they're going to, um, it's going to be ad supported. Uh, and, you know, I, I hope in the future, they're you know, we're, we're building some of that foundation to make it a, a more fair and transparent transaction. That is a great point. What is going to happen to the open internet? And if it's even going to be a thing as well, but we could probably talk about this topic for a while. So <laughs> um, let's let's take this opportunity to just move on to the next segment where we like to shine a light on diversity and inclusion in our industry. Do you have any good or bad example to share with us today? Yeah, so, so maybe less of an example, more of a just point of view, which is authentic attempts at... I guess it's important when you're thinking about diversity and um, inclusion and belonging and marketing. It's it's not just a strategy. You know, it's it's it has to be you know, authentic. Uh, it has to be um, thoughtful, and you really have to be mindful in, in the approach, uh, such that you know you're not just kind of changing something on the surface. But you're really uh, appreciating the nuances of culture, um, developing a degree of empathy that's needed to really speak and engage with um, a culture or an audience in a like, relevant manner. Uh, you know, and that that starts at the core of you know the business, the core of the people that are involved, and you know, without that, I think you may see a lot of attempts miss the mark. Um, you know, so that's just something I, I keep in mind and just in generally what I perceived, you know, how I re like look at these things and, 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 and when, uh, these programs that are. I really do appreciate the fact that you said that diversity and inclusion is not a strategy because we see it loud and clear when a brand or an agency has have used diversity and inclusion or just diversity and representation as a whole in really poor manners because they were thinking how am I going to maximize on this publicity or this trend and make sure that you know how am I going to maximize my dollars versus like no this is truly a change that we need to consciously do so I appreciate that. I think that's a that's a great way to move into um, our next segment where where I like to ask a couple questions to all guests. So the first one is, do you mind sharing two fun facts about yourself? Sure. Uh, <laughs> so two fun facts about myself. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm a bacon lover and a live music enthusiast. Um, got married last year to my loving, beautiful wife Gabby, and and also <laughs> and also her her Karen Terrier Evie, who is my uh, my best friend and coworker and kind of office office mate at this point. <laughs> oh, congratulations! That's exciting. Thanks. And bacon lover, uh, my we we eat a lot of bacon in my household, a lot. Yeah. My husband is also a bacon lover, so <laughs> I, I can I think he, we'll get along if we ever meet up at a, a cookout one day. 
Awesome. Sounds great. Before we part ways, Mike, um, what advice do you have to give to a entry-level programmatic ninjas that is either graduating soon, have been in the business for only a couple years? What would be your advice to them? Test lots of questions. Be curious. Try hard and be a good person. And you'll be you'll be rewarded. <laughs> Those are great examples. Thank you so much for joining us today. We had so much fun. Yeah, this was great. I really appreciate the time, Ellen. Again, you'll find everything we've discussed today in our show notes on our website, programmaticdigest.com. You can also sign up to receive our newsletter weekly when a new episode drops or monthly if you like to binge like I do. In conclusion, fam, our mission on this podcast is to share knowledge, highlight diversity and inclusion in our industry, and educate ourselves as we continue to build this community of curious and confident programmatic ninjas. And if you're listening to this and you made it this far, please stay safe and stay at home. Thank you.